Hey, I'm Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. Hey, you guys. Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 bitches. And welcome to another installment <laughs> of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. I am Aeon. And I am the Lioness. Happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays. If you're listening to this uh then it is it is actually Christmas, and we hope that you all are having a safe and joyous holiday, whether you're with family, whether you're not with family, and you're home by yourself. We hope that by hearing our voices that and getting a brand new episode, that it brings a little bit of joy to you to let you know that we are here with you and we're um, thinking about you. And... This episode is a little different. It's not going to be an original topic, but what we're going to be doing is doing a, a light retrospective for some Just a of little our, light, light. Right. Some of our some of our um, episodes that we want to highlight that we did in 2020. Um, so get ready to go back um on a, a time ride through 2020 so we can um and if you haven't had the pleasure of listening to these episodes then we highly suggest that after you listen to this retrospective that you go back through our catalog and listen to some of these episodes so you can get a more in-depth breakdown on some of these topics but uh, i can't i can't believe we're at 30 we're at 39 episodes so far so I can't either. I can't either. This is so exciting. And I just want to say for those of you out here who have been such, such, such wonderful supporters this year, it was very important to us that we give you this gift, this sharing on Christmas Day. I am a girl. I know Brianna's probably had her fair share of holidays as well that have been awkward. Um, and I have done the holidays alone and I have wanted to hear, there are times where I was alone and I wanted to hear the voice of my sisters. And so we're just happy to be able to be here for you today. And it is an honor and a privilege to be with you on such an occasion. Um, for those of you who are in travel, we ask that you be safely, you, you be safe, that you remain, you know, doing everything you can to prevent you know, the spread of infection. Remember to wear your masks and take care of yourself. Now, sis, before we go further, I because it is Christmas after all, you know, me being Miss Icebreaker Pussy, I wanted to have a quick thing where I wanted, tell us, can you tell us really fast about one of your favorite Christmas memories? Um, I, I have, a, I, th- I have a lot. Um, a favorite Christmas memories for my youth because my mom was that single mother that went above and beyond to get me all the presents that I wanted. But I think my most fame, my favorite Christmas memory, I think I was about, I had to be 12 and uh, my mom got me like this little kid laptop, but uh, she also got me all of these CDs 
And one of the CDs was the Jill Scott words and sound CDs. This was like Christmas 2000. And bitch, I just remember wearing that CD out. And it wasn't that the Christmas was particularly Christmassy. It's that I remember that gift in particular. And that was the gift that keeps on giving. Because if anybody knows me, they know how much I like music, especially R&B music. And I still have that album to this day. And it's such a great album. And uh, my mom is somebody that has always encouraged my love of music and my love of travel. So that is a memory that sticks out to me in my mind beyond any toy she's ever given me or any um, racing car sets or any, you know, any of those things like that CD, because I still have that CD to this day. So what about you? Oh, my God. So immediately after that, asked the question, I regretted it because I kind of hate the holidays. But I have some good memories, or at least I have a collection of good things. So one thing I remember most that I enjoyed about Christmas as a kid, I enjoyed the music. I remember, this is before I were retail, before it got poisoned in my mind. <laughs> For those of us that were retail, you know, we'd be sick of them damn Christmas songs. But I used to love, it was always Mariah Carey. It was always The Temptations. It was always um, Al Green. It was always um, when Whitney Houston's Christmas thing came out. It was that, we, we, we bumped that. Like Christmas was the time where my mom really took us back to the classes. It was the emotions. Mm. Yes, girl. It was that what we what what do the lonely do? What do the lonely do? What do they do? Shout out to my aunt Jennifer, um, honey, because she she played the breaks off of that fucking song. And she would all when I was in the choir, she would always ask me, Are we gonna sing that song at our Christmas choir concert? I was yeah, like my favorite part of that song was when she <laughs> this the season to me. Charlie, I was like, yes, ma'am, but how can I when I have nobody? I used to be like, girl, listen, when I've or am I another one of my favorite Christmas songs is Tony Braxton's on um, Charlie Brown, the um Christmas song. The Christmas song. The Christmas song. Yes. No, oh, she, no, she she ate that song, girl. She should have got like a Grammy or something for that because that she ate the fuck out that song, bitch. Yes, that Charlie Brown Christmas song. She killed that song. No, my uh, favorite, my favorite, um, like Christmas set of Christmas songs, but like a contemporary artist is the Mariah Carey, the first Merry Christmas CD. Bitch. Oh, Miss Thing, not Miss Thing. Mariah Carey to this day, like I have to at least hear her once in Christmas. And I'm also a, a kind of a church girl. So Daryl Coley's Christmas album, If for those of you out there who really just want some, just some really good church Christmas and you really want to hear some vocal and some great, great singing, Daryl Coley's Christmas album has been a favorite of me when it first, since it first came out, like in the early nineties, like my mom played it and like I became obsessed. So yeah, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. So Christmas was something. I also really, really, I come from a very big family. So I remember going down in the country, um, shout out to my people down in Pinewood. Um, my family, when I say country, I mean the plantation, the big, the big house is still up at the top of the street. And we live in a very, it was very, very rural. And so it was just us and our family. And I have, I have my mom has um, 14 brothers and sisters. And then I have like 40 something first cousins. So it was like, 
a jamboree. It was like, we would have to rent out state parks when we would want to all get together sometimes. But for Christmas, my grandmother's house had this land around it. She still to this day um, has all this land around it. And we would just, most of us would have to be outside because we literally could not fit in the house. And I just remember not wanting to go home and like getting popped in the car for crying because I didn't want to leave my cousins and like always begging to stay and never being allowed to stay, spend the night. Cause you know, a lot of the cousins were coming from out of town and the house, now as an adult, I know my mama didn't want her kids piling up what was already a packed house. And we would have been sleeping on, on the floor on the pallet anyway with everybody else. But it just would, I just remember everybody just coming together. And I remember my grandparents being alive. And Christmas is just one of those like memories where I would meet peace people in my family I would never know. And as a kid, I was really, really into Christmas. Now, over the years, a lot has happened, very traumatizing things, triggering moments have happened around the holidays that have led to my perspective on Christmas changing. Not to mention, I no longer believe in the spirit, like the, I, I see the commercialization and I, I like Christmas and I do believe that Christmas is an important memory to let kids have. But for me, like as an adult right now, I, I I would prefer something that's not quite so performative, but that's just me, that's just me. But I do have very fond memories and I do kind of still get that little bit of tingle where I couldn't sleep the night before and you know. And so I look forward to maybe having kids so that I can get back into that and really create some new Christmas memories. But for now, girl, I'm over it. Yeah. No girl, no girl, we gotta get, we have to get back into the, uh, the holiday spirit, honey. And I hopefully, we'll be able to be in a time where we can um, come together and be around each other and um, just celebrate the holidays and the new years together. Cause we yeah, have that's what it really is. It's, it's creating better and new memories so that right. I have, so that I have reasons to be grateful and reasons to, and people to come together around. That's why I'm so into building sisterhood these days, because right. I really, really want to build like people that I can get excited to see on Christmas. Maybe it looks like girls trips on those, on those holidays, you know? Right. So let's get into the retrospective. And since, since you are, since you wrote all of this down, uh, I'll let you um, state the name of the episode. And so what we did is um, the lioness and myself, we picked our five highlight episodes that we did over the past year. And we're just going to lightly discuss what the main topic was, why it was so important to us and just our commentary on it. So um, since I'll let you um, lead with like the episode number and the name and then if it's mine, I know that it'll be mine and then I can just get in and introduce like what happened on that particular episode. Okay, well, you know what? Let me tell you what, what I think was miscommunication. Y'all gonna watch us work through it. So <laughs> what was the miscommunication? I only wrote the numbers for mine. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can write down the numbers for yours and then- uh, Well, girl, we, we just we just gonna keep it moving. And, um, <laughs> or we can pause and come back or you wanted to speak- No, because no, I have I have the episodes pulled up on my um, tablet so I'll be able to um, reference the number. I, I I just thought you had written them down, but it's, it's I did, my bad, I only wrote mine. I should have Okay, but no, go ahead. Start it off, sis. Because it's Christmas, girl. Thank you so much for having the Christmas joy. <laughs> But um, yes, so I want to start out and this is, so what we, with this top tens, we each wanted to give our five 
that we really wanted to, we found were worthy to bring out. And so we had a pre-production meeting and we selected our five and um, my top five, I, I guess, I don't know if I want to do an order or not, but I think I will. I think I will. So starting at number five, five being the, the not necessarily the, the bottom, but of the top five, then we're going to start from bottom one being my all favorite of the year. So um, my top five, um, my number five is the gaslighting episode. That's episode number 15. And um, it is entitled The Gaslight, The Sea Lion, and The Emancipation of Aunt Jemima. What I really loved about this episode was um, we were able to really get into the analysis of some of the psychological um, things that people do, that manipulators do, that narcissists do, that governments do, that people that want to wield and control power do to make people to make people feel crazy. And what are the signs when you're being gaslit? We defined what gaslighting was. We talked about how what it looks like in the context of a relationship. We talked about what it looks like in the context of like the greater community. I feel like the conversation was fun. We talked about what sea lining is and how that's a tactic often used by men where they ask what seems like an innocuous question for clarification. And, but it, it's the goal is to keep you explaining yourself because no matter how many times you answer the question, they're going to remain obtuse and make it seem like they don't understand. And their goal is not to seek understanding, but to actually frustrate you and to make you seem crazy. So we talked about that. And then we talked about the emancipation of Aunt Jemima. We talked about how the, the PC culture has caused us to really, really fire a lot of our, or, or to, to, cancel institutions that you know that uphold images that are negative in one way but that also are staples in black culture in another way like uncle ben and aunt jemima and some of these other um institutes some of these other um institutions or institutions in black food and black and black culture but that are the imagery might be rooted in slavery so what i liked about it was i feel like you and i had really good conversations this i feel like we were able to really pull into our relationships. We were able to use actual information from psychology today. And I remember we incorporated that and that in episode. So that's my number five. What did you think about the episode, sis, before we get into your number five? Uh, I think it was a good episode. I think that episode, we recorded it and it was released during like the height of the George Floyd thing and yeah. everybody and their performative activism and uh, white people magically understanding, magically getting awareness that racism exists, and we need we need to wear the Black Lives Matter shirts and the kente cloth the kente cloth headbands, and like people were really just doing um, the most, and I think uh, it was just us attempting to get to the root of a lot of this performative activism, just to show that. Niggas really don't want to change. They they just want to appear that they are woke and they are down because now it's incentivized to do so. But I, I remember a particular part of the conversation that they, with Aunt Jemima, they wanted to change the mascot, but they didn't want to pay her family. 
And in fact, the mascot was made in an image of a black woman who was not even paid for her image or her likeness to be used. And when you look at these companies that are like billion dollar companies that are also like companies companies that are getting a million dollar bail bailouts, and the least you can do is change the 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 icon, but you can't pay this woman's family. For for so I, I like that we were able to expose that, and I'm looking at the show notes, and I think when we recorded this episode it was around Father's Day, and I had a really 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 um, rough weekend mental health wise, um, and I'm just happy that I'm still here, and for anybody that's going through like severe depression and suicidal ideations, like. Um, I'm not going to tell you not to feel the feelings that you're feeling because they're they're valid. Um, but, you know, we're just happy that you're still here. I'm happy that I'm still here. And happy. since that particular point, I'm glad that I've put in the work um, to get to the point where I can um, sit in the pain and not try to avoid the pain, but um, sit in the pain with a purpose and envision what I want my life and what I want my future to look like. So um, I think this was a very, um, like an educational episode, but it was a cathartic episode uh, for me, just what was going on with me personally at that particular time. And really fast, I want to say, because that was, and I'm glad you pointed that you clarified that. And I want to say, this is Christmas Day. My daddy's birthday is tomorrow. I love you, daddy. And I want to say, um, since this was the Father's Day episode, I love you then. I love you now. And I look forward to our relationship growing in the future. And like, and for those of you who have a following, I think I might have even talked about how that relationship is something that is I cherish now. So um, I know we talked about it in another episode as well. But yes, yes. Shout out to my daddy. Yes. So, so sis. Episode number, I mean, episode number five for you on the list. What is your number five episode? Um, I well, I'm gonna start off with confessions of a transgender nonprofit health worker. Okay. Uh, and that was the episode where we both talked about our experiences in a nonprofit industrial complex and how, uh, how really problematic and toxic they were. And how even though like my experience, it'll actually be, no, no, no. It'll be nine years next year since I got fired from my job. And how even though it had been so long, the experiences were so traumatic for us. And I think that episode was like really the first time publicly that I talked about my experience at the particular um, organization that I worked at. And I just think it speaks to the experiences of how hard it, it, it is for Black trans women to maintain employment and just the levels of, like, when you go to get a job as a trans woman, like, you think that you don't, you never once th think for a second that you're going to experience discrimination at a place that claims to cater to trans folks. Now that like you, ex you expect it to, like if you go try to get a job at a church somewhere, at a religious hospital or somewhere that is blatant, like that is obviously anti-trans, but there's so many um, trans people, especially black trans women that try to go to these organizations um, because their intentions are pure and they wanna help community. But because of the systems that are in there, that are designed to tokenize us, 
to commodify us and not really support our leadership, not really support us liberating our community, but really support keeping our community oppressed so we can exploit them. Um, it's really sad and it's unfortunate. And I really, really wanted to do this episode because so many of our um, community members, young and old, um, they get into these positions not realizing that they could be just as traumatizing or as triggering as like being on the streets or en engaging in survival economies. You know um, what? And, oh, I'm sorry, sis. Go ahead. And, and from what I've heard from people now, like stuff hasn't changed. And it kind of speaks to why so many Black trans-led organizations exist now because we had to work outside of the system to get the things that we want because we're not support. And it doesn't matter if it's a white person at the helm or a Black person at the helm. Just cis people in general don't respect the leadership of um, Black trans people, especially Black trans women. Come on, sis. No, sis. I, you know what? As you were talking... I remember how triggering that episode was for me because I remember us really, really unpacking how we work, we, we work in these communities. We go to these communities to trust these people. And ultimately this, the, 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 the nonprofit industrial complex has set up to where we're the, often the face of organizations that are not serving our needs and even worse, traumatizing us, even worse, in some cases, victimizing us actually taking advantage of us and i just remember you know just 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 even in recalling some of the the abhorrent things i had seen behind the scenes the very callous ways that people are treated clients are treated and most importantly staff um leadership and community is treated by some of these nonprofit organizations how our healthcare is is essentially still very much about experimentation and it's very much about pathologizing our experience. Like you're not really concerned about our full wellness only as it relates to grants. It's just so many different levels to it. And I think that episode, we did a really, really great job of just unpacking how some of the places that we consider safe spaces um, are can need to reevaluate what, what is safe for us. What is safe for us as black trans folks. Right. So yes, this number five was a good episode. Good episode. So um, yes, I want to now go into my number four. Number four for me is going to be digital trade and nostalgia episode number 22. Couple of reasons why they had to be on the list. One, because 22 is my lucky number. Wedding day, husband's birthday, my birthday, but that, that's 22 is my number. So double deuce is always going to be on my list because I have to ride for her. However, I also thought that this episode was particularly funny because I got the opportunity to really one um, day, um, excuse me, age myself or date myself by letting you guys know how I was there at the beginning of the internet and what life was like and it was just a good walk down memory lane, a hilarious walk down memory lane. It made me realize just how naive I was, how vulnerable I was. But it also made me remember how the internet back in the day had like these communities. I remember how like there were, you know, one of the things I remember talking about in an episode that was just like really cool for me was remembering how Black Gay Chat used to have um, BGC live 
used to have the erotic section and like you would have black queer trans authors actually putting their erotica like whole stories whole poems and novels in there and I want to shout out to also Nude Africa that really used to host that kind of content like I just remember us having that conversation and just like really walking myself through a lot of my discovery, even the back to talking about how I discovered what it was to be trans, what it was, how I discovered Keith Boykin on his online platform. And just, just, I just remember that, that, that episode, we, I was able to really unpack my, um, my kind of like, you know, dating life. Like, I remember really walking myself from, like, discovery of transness into, like, what it was like dating on the platforms, the, the way the trade used to be versus how they are now. And I just remember really enjoying it, Brianna. I enjoyed and enjoying you. So what about you, sis? What did you, what did you think about that episode? Episode 22, Digital Trade Nostalgia. Uh, I really enjoyed that episode. Uh, that was a fun one for us to record. Also, that was during the height of the P-Valley popularity. Yes. And that's what inspired that episode, the relationship between Lil Murder and Uncle Clifford. And just, and I'm somebody that as a trans woman, I'm very connected to all stages of my transition, even before I physically transition. And you have brought up in conversation that how even before I transitioned, I had an active, like romantic, um, sexual, like, and that, that particular interaction, seeing it on screen triggered up so many, um, experiences that I had in my youth. So I think I'm happy that we were able to unpack that, especially for some of our young listeners and followers to like let them know that even though things weren't as open as they are now, like we still had fun. We still found each other. We still had experiences and they meant a lot more to us because it was so like random. It was so secretive, but it kind of almost made it better and treasure. And I just, I like, I will just um, never, like it was a scary time in my life. It was an insecure time in my life, but it was a time. Like, I just, I, re I remember the feel of some of those websites, how they looked, um, the music that was out during that time. Like, it was, it was, it was a very uh, um, sense of nostalgia for me that I'm happy that we were able to bring into the space and bring into the consciousness and just, like, talk about our joy um, during those times. So I'm, I'm really and proud shout of out to shout out to the MySpace trade. I miss you. Yeah, the MySpace, and I think we really, um, we really um, broke it down because it was, um, it was levels: the MySpace, the Backpage, the BGC, yeah. the Craigslist, the like. It it was like it was a time and this thing. If you were not there, you missed out because trade today is not trade. Is not today's version of trade is not really trade. They're queer. It's a washed out version. That has been that that's been dipped in queerness. Like it's yeah. <laughs> Trey Trey back then is bitch. I want to have him, but he might punch me in my eye. But I'm gonna do it anyway. Like that was sure. I'm gonna risk this L, bitch. Right. Trey, it was the trade of it was that was it was the trade of there was no real way to like have all these deep ass conversations about what you like top bottom verse. It was in the moment. Right. 
to re- taking a risk to reach a hand a place where you might get <laughs> right and just how we socialize with each other in community it was going to- where you could get them <laughs> right and then just like finding gr- your gr- your first set of girlfriends in community how a lot of us originated offline and um how we went out to the clubs because a lot of the places that we used to go to clubbing and socializing they're no longer what open like they were closed before the pandemic hit so it was good to just like go down memory lane and uh revisit our youth and i enjoyed that episode yes 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 and like you just said oh my god sis shout out to the old establishments that are closed you young girls will also never know what it would what it was like to really be at like the peak of, of of LGBT club culture, particularly in Atlanta in the South. Oh my God, y'all missed out. Oh my God, I feel so and bad. and in Baltimore and DC because there's some places here in DC that I just gagged that they're just not open no more. Yes, and in, and in Baltimore they've closed even before this pandemic hit. They closed all of the clubs. For the girls, it's no, it's no more hippo. Well, hippo been closed, I think, before I left Baltimore. But hippos closed. The paradox is closed. Buns is closed. Even the white um, queer clubs are closed in Baltimore. And in DC, Miss Delta Elite, bitch. I used to be up in Delta Elite, like before my transition, and like the early years of my transition. Used to be up there getting my motherfucking life, bitch. And we will not, like, it was a club located in, like, a, a black neighborhood, girl, in a shopping center. And it was just so inconspicuous. You would never know it was a club. Wow. And, um, like, you would you would go in dry and cute, and you would come out wet and sweaty. And then the, the chaser, the tranny chaser used to be a couple of blocks down with flashes, lights. And I got in the car one time and was making out with a girl. Bitch, it was a time, bitch. And we will never get, oh, Lord. Oh, God, I miss Delta. Delta was where you would go, and I would run into all of the pieces that used to play like they were straight. And I would bump into, or like the pieces I went to high school with, the pieces that I worked with that I saw on bed passing that would give me shade. Mm-hmm. And then I would, I would bump into them, tap them in the, the basement level where all the butch queens had that shirt off and it was steamy. And I'd be like, hey girl. Ooh. Like that, that's how, and then they would come together. And then by the time the night is over, like, can you please keep my secret? Like you safe with me, just don't throw me shade. But um, yeah, girl, it, oh Lord. Let's, let let me move to my episode, girl, because we we could talk, we could <laughs> that's how you know we that was a good one. We could literally talk about that all day. So, so episode twenty two, that was a good one, y'all. Y'all tune in. So now, what was your number four, sis? Um, let me see. I think I'm going to go here. Uh, I, uh, the power of trans images episode that was number sixteen. Uh, it was a conversation about Disclosure, the documentary that had came out on Netflix over the summer. And I just, I thought it was really important for us to dissect this documentary because I feel like it was so many things that they talked about that triggered up memories and that triggered up experience for somebody that is trans, 
that grew up through some of these media events and remember how the adults around me and the people around me reacted to the media images. And it just, it goes to show how also media um, shapes a lot of the um, experiences that we go, a lot of the negative experiences that we go through when people try to say, oh, well, it really, representation really doesn't matter. Like actually, no, it really does. And also, I think it. I think we talked about like just the different types of representation that we want to see. But I just think it was really important for us to just unpack some of the stories in this documentary and just like give our honest opinions about how we felt about them. And I think everything that I saw in Disclosure like triggered something in me that I were I remember something from childhood about. Yeah like the Ace Ventura and the um, In Living Color. And just like it's a community that is picked on, and especially if you exhibit like a feminine, um, a femin being effeminate or being queer early on, like you know what it's like to like have like a gay character or like a trans character or somebody that's not binary be on TV and then you be that person at school the next day and they're calling you that person. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, for me, one of the things that I really just appreciated, just shout out to that trans actress. Um, I forget her oh, name. Oh, um, Sandra Caldwell, bitch. Shout out to Sandra Caldwell. It, because of that documentary, I got to know that she existed and I remember seeing her in things and not really even knowing that that was a trans woman. And that was just such a moment for me that really was full circle, just as a woman, just knowing that there were so many people before me that had to push. And God knows what that woman went through behind the scenes to hide it. And just even her expressing her own surprise, like, wait, we out now? Like, we, you know, like how she had to get to that level of awareness. And so I love that they reached back and showed this Black trans woman and what her story was like. But also on a deeper level, I really respected that the documentary unpacked how negative imagery has really affected how people treat us. And it was just a catharsis to see that I'm not crazy, to see that we're not. And then it helped other people because a lot of people for a long time were comfortable labeling us as sensitive, labeling us as, you know, in our feelings and making shit up and we can't take a joke. But what I love about that documentary is it did a great job of unpacking why these things are problematic and the dearth of imagery to the contrary. The dearth of, you know, how there is not enough imagery of us perceived in a positive light, but there's an inordinate amount of imagery of us being tranny murdered, tranny, you know, tranny dead, dead tranny number three, or the comic relief in a storyline where we're essentially the disgust. Somebody's supposed to be horrified or disgusted by being with us and what that does to children and how that plays into the psyche of even how we see ourselves and how some of that roots into our internalized transphobia. So yes, that episode was just really, really impactful for me because it just really allowed me to see that there was a systemic thing. Now I do think that there were other issues that when I think we did address some of the some of the deficiencies that we felt like. And I think one of the things I remember was, I really wish that there was a more interest that we talked more about colorism and its impact on the way that these things are showcased as well. And I feel like, um, you know, it, it was revealed in another episode, but also in the way, the way in which a lot of these stories uh, were also told by people that aren't us. 
So then when you do get a story told, it's for someone else to win this Oscar and to get this award. So it just was an interesting conversation. So you guys, please tune into that one. Thank you for bringing that up, sis. That was cool. Your turn. It definitely is my turn. And I'm looking at my list. And for number 26, um, excuse me, for number four, we will have episode 26, when was your last cycle? That question is like the dreaded question. When is your last cycle? And for me, this episode really helped us unpack the way in which healthcare and um, uh, the systems that are designed to support us are centered around patriarchy and this ideal of what a woman's body should look like, what transitioning should look like, what the process should look like for people that often were never considered in the first place. So um, we broke down how the Harry Benjamin Standards of Care has created a paradigm where our experience is pathologized and because it's looked at as a part of the dysphoria, then it's more of seen as, well, let's handle, let's fix you. And this mentality of fixing has led to this culture of, you know, um, hormones and surgery and all of that being required in order to say you've transitioned. And um, we unpacked how how the the, the agencies and the, the, the organizations that are dealing with us don't really know how to do it sensitively and how that affects girls compliance to medications or wanting to go see the doctor or wanting to go get moans from a doctor. Why go, why would I want to go someplace that is triggering? Uh, we talked about the need for healthcare, for healthcare um, um, providers and for agencies to be properly trained by people in community. We talked about the need for them to use um, community relationships to actually connect and engage with community so you're not leaving people out and actually doing accurate need assessment so that people in community can get what they need when they need it. Um, we talked about in that when your last cycle, we really were able to have our hilarious personal moments where we talked about like awkward moments in the doctor and, you know, things that we've gone through. And I was particularly vulnerable about some of the lack of care that I've received, even from doctors that were supposedly supportive in community and how like after we get past this, when was your last cycle conversation? Then when I once they once I reveal that I'm trans, the conversation shifts and how I've even had doctors that did not perform physical physical procedures on me, were willing to give me whatever I wanted so that they could say they were addressing my needs, but really weren't trying to touch me and what how that made me feel. So tune into that episode, guys. That's episode number 26. When was your last cycle? Um, sis, what was your take on it? I thought that was a really important episode for us to do because we don't like we need to talk about how the how the binary system fails a lot of us, but in particular trans trans bodies and trans people because a lot of these hospitals and doctors or whatever they don't have a lot of education on us, and then when they do get in contact with us they kind of default to their transphobia, which could kill us. So I'm happy that we were able to bring our own personal experiences in the episode with going to the ER, we're trying to establish uh, healthcare. This is something that we, every day we're trying to work on. Um, I think we brought in the story of Tyra Hunter, um, who was uh, mm -hmm. murdered in 1995 by paramedics who, 
refused to give her medical care after her accident, after they discovered that she was a trans woman. And um, just just how just how just how transphobia is pervasive in the medical field from the doctor all the way down to the the um, the auxiliary help, the person that's filling out the forms and just how they wield so much power and how you're really when a hospital or when there's when there's no laws, there's no safeguards, no protections, like we are really out there. We're really on the line. And I'm just happy that we were able to bring that into the consciousness. And as always, we were able to like just really break it down. Like, what does it mean to get sick or feel like you're getting sick? And what runs through your mind as a trans person that needs a doctor but knows that transphobia is real as fuck? Exactly, exactly. Um, and I, you know, I and I also think that this was around the time, if I'm not mistaken, that the there were the, there were some critical bills regarding trans health that were being decided. Um, I, was this around the time um, that the woman died before she got to see her victory? Um, I forget her name. Oh, from the Supreme Court. Yeah, I think it was kind of around that time. I know we, yeah, we talked about her death on another episode, but it was right, right, right. But I know we were. It was still something that we were. It was this decision in that time. Right, right. Well, I'm just happy that we were able to have those conversations. So, for you guys that are excited. We're now on number three, sis. So we're now in the top three. So, um, or did you give your number four yet? No, I did. I think I did too. I think I did. Yeah, I did too. Okay, cool. So now we are up to number three. And so my spicy number three will be... I'm going to add one in right now. So it's going to be episode number 20. Give Angelica her motherfucking things. What I appreciated about this episode, I feel like we were able to really, really, really get to the root of the matter on how shows and nonprofits and these organizations and these even these covers of magazines are willing to now allow black trans folk on there because of what it looked like, but they really don't want to contribute and invest in things that elevate us to the true level of peership, to the true level that appreciates the creativity, the the gifts, the beauty that we bring to spaces. And in this episode, this was around the time that there was a huge um, Emmy snub and um, Angelica Ross, nor any other member from from the from the from the world famous show Pose, where none of the black and um, um, Latin trans characters were given any awards, and as a result, um, there was a controversy. And the the one um, individual that did get was the darling of the awards that year. Um, what was his name? Who? The gentleman that wears the fabulous clothing. Oh, Billy Porter. Billy Porter. Yes, I did. I did not want to be disrespectful and butcher that man's name because he's done a lot for community and he's very, very talented. However, he was not a very good advocate in that moment because he did not stand for his sisters nor make any comment and basically made the narrative turn into we need to wait our motherfucking turn. 
And so I remember in this episode, us having this energy, this vibe of being very frustrated and angry. I love that um, y'all got a chance to hear me and my sister read a little bit, read the establishment. I think this is the episode where you really got to see that our politics are for our people and that we're really invested in seeing our people win. And it's not okay to just have representation. And if the representation does not mean that we get any, any get honored for our wars. And some may say, oh, well, you should just be doing it for the art's sake, or at least you got to tell the story. But no, not when we know that, that awards lead to higher pay. Not when we know a lot of those women were getting, aren't to this day getting paid what they should be getting paid. Not when we know that their talent is the is the bedrock of the show and they're the main character. And I think um, another thing that we were talking about was how around that time, um, I know it was like Harper's Bazaar had a, um, it was a lot going on. I mean, excuse me, not Harper's Bazaar, Vogue had to change some of their policies and things were going on with that. And I remember we were talking about how they were performatively now having women on the cover of these magazines, but how that was still rooted in colorism and how certain people are being propped up and how Angelica Ross with all of her talents and all of her gifts and anointings is very much underrated and overlooked and was the darling, by far and away, the darling of that show, in my opinion, equal to, if not more, in my opinion, than Billy Porter. So giving Angela her motherfucking things was something that it was important that we shared. And I'm just glad to have that conversation with you. Girl, talk about it. What was your thought on, on, on my number three, episode 20, giving Angelica her motherfucking things? Um, I enjoyed that episode. I think the community was gagged generally that she didn't get at least a nomination. Um, the awards were just lackluster in themselves because I don't even remember who won. But like at that particular time, yeah, I just think we were all gagged because we thought this was a great opportunity for this institution to be progressive and to recognize this Black trans woman who gave like an amazing performance and just give her her flowers. And the, the Academy did what, what, the, what they always do, and that was just be white and cis and male and you know all of those other things and really not be like they were progressive in some ways because a lot of people of color and black act cis actors got nominated but the black trans woman who everybody was talking about she got overlooked so i'm glad that we were able to stand for her and just give her her life and give her her roses and angelica is thriving matter of fact she does a show on monday nights the turning point and it was really good i got to watch it last night angelica is just one of going is one of those people in our community that is just going to do great and big things so i'm not worried about her it just really sucked that she didn't get her recognition um, also in that episode, I see we talked about Shea Coulee winning All-Stars 5 and how excited we were for like RuPaul's Drag Race. This is the first year where everybody that won something was um, Black. And I don't think we'll ever see that again anytime soon. So it was great to celebrate um, Shea Coulee and Jada Essence Hall and Heidi in Closet. And um, I, be- I don't think at this time... Um, the winner is crowned, but the winners of um, Canada's Drag Race um, was a person of color. Um, she was like, 
she's she's from some island in, in the Caribbean, but Priyanka um one, and then from what I heard, I didn't watch, but the Drag Race Highland, um, that person, the, the person who won that is a person of color. So it was just a great year for Queens of Color. Um, we also talked, we about, talked about the oh, I'm sorry, sis. Yes, we did talk about the harassment of trans masculine men too. I forgot to mention that. Right. Um, Angela Stanton and her her um her antics, but um the guy the man that she harassed, they just um him and his partner just came out with some new commercial for Lexus. Um oh. so yes, that feature like their, we ride. Yeah, they featured their family, so they're winning. Um we and then I think I brought in a dating experience about I think at that time I can't I think I was still living in Chicago, but men, men being DL and just playing all of these damn games and not sending their pictures and how I wasn't having the bullshit. Right, so, I remember that. So, and we talked about the larger phenomenon of what of the DL men who refuse to send their pictures and then how they attempt to pursue us and they want us to trust that you're not a serial killer when you're not even willing to give me the bare minimum. So yes, girl, that was, I remember the key of that episode too. Right, and it's just like, you know, okay. Oh, 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 let's not forget. Also, Brianna, also, we, you had an op-ed in the magazine. Let's talk about it. And we talked about that in the episode. Let's remind our viewers of that. Well, it was just an op-ed discussing um, Angelica Ross and her getting snubbed. And then as a result of that op-ed, I had to wait an additional um, couple of months to get my payment. But that, <laughs> that ultimately got resolved. But um, I was over it that I had to wait to get my money and I think I can't remember what episode we followed up with that on but um I got paid but just play pay black creators up front and don't have to make us uh hunt you down for what we're owed use our platforms to make you do the right thing right yes like like we don't we want to we want to keep we want to wield our powers to talk good about you we really don't want to have to read you so Shout out to them for record. Well, I don't, bitch. I don't. I got to the point. I don't mind, bitch, because y'all gonna y'all gonna fuck me over anyway, bitch. So I'm, bitch. I I need to speak my piece, bitch. Right, but I'm saying we would rather you not have to fuck us over. Like I would rather not be fucked over. And so hopefully by the example of how you know of knowing that we are empowered and we're gonna say something these days. And I, while I'm glad that you were able to get your story, get your story in the end, and I'm glad that. You know what I'm saying? You you that was a moment for you and we talked about it. But I but I'm I think it was important to bring up this op-ed and I'm glad you are vulnerable again with that because we also that was a great example of uh how you can get excited about a moment and then you be scared to ask for your coins, your motherfucking coins. And while we talk about giving Angelica her motherfucking things, I'm glad you were able to eventually get yours. Yes, but uh make sure you guys listen to that episode. That's episode number 20. So my number three episode, I think I'm going to go to no, episode number 31, The Black Coon Tract. Yeah. That episode, that was when we were uh, close to the, the general election in November. And all Ooh. of these Black ass men rappers were starting to show their fucking ass and show how they were fucking siding with republicans and caping for republicans and one of the one of the people that showed his ass or show how ill prepared he was and we really haven't heard anything from him since is mm -hmm. mr ice cube 
and his uh his plan for Black America, which was a whole bunch of bullshit. So we really um leaned into him and just read him for about an hour about how not only was his plan horrible, but you also got played. And then when you could have doubled back and made it better, you just doubled down. And you may you didn't understand why everybody was mad at you. And instead of humbling yourself and taking the opportunity to grow, you kind of just did nothing. So we really we went in. Also, I think the this episode, but the cluster of episodes after it, our podcast became more political. Like mm-hmm. I think the next couple of episodes that follow after this were heavily political because this was like the fucking election of our lives, bitch, and we were scared and we, it was tense. So this was like the start of the our political analysis. And I think this brought a different perspective to our podcast to let folks know that not only do we care about the trans and the queer stuff, bitch, we can talk politics too. Like we're, we are aware we're in the room we also feel a type of way ways about stuff, especially black cis men um, constantly thinking that they you them using their wealth is something radical or something that's going to save us. So I'm really proud of this particular episode, and we also had fun reading him. Um, and also we had critiques for the Democratic Party. And even though they won, some of these appointment cabinet appointments are questionable and they're making decisions that are letting me know that we're still going to have to uh, fight them on a lot of stuff. But bitch, I'm here for the fight, girl, because like I said, you know, I, I, I'm here to push back because I know that the people we have in office are centrist and we have to push them. And that, that's part of the democratic and the American process. Uh, what are your thoughts? So this Coon Track episode, and what was that number again, sis? 31. This Coon Track episode, I was, I could, I started laughing as soon as you started talking just now because I just remember the exasperation that we had about how basic his fucking contract was. And I was proud of us because I feel like we really put our political hats on and we were able to break down the shallowness of his contract. We actually pulled up his contract versus the Biden campaign's contract versus Trump's actual contract. And we did an analysis on how his was just nothing that he asked for. Even even though what he asked for was basic as fuck, none of what he asked for was uh, was was included in what Trump was 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 um, espousing at the time. And you could really see very transparently his lack of analysis. And I think for those of you who may may have wondered. If Brianna and I have the have the chop for the acumen to be able to speak on politics, I'm sure this episode was quite a enlightening moment because um, we are both very very passionate and active and committed to it. Because as activists outside of being content creators, it, this directly affects what we do on a regular and day to day basis. And so, I just liked how in that episode we really stepped up and was able to really use our collective intelligence base and our experiences to really explain why we as a black trans people have to stand for ourselves and how these black men are not concerned about black women, queer folk. And that we, we really broke down how um, 
the Black Lives Matter movement and a lot of the leadership in Hollywood right now or these men that are thrust forward are not concerned about rank and file people because, because their proximity to whiteness pollutes their ability to be um, biased or, or even empathetic to what's going on um, and I, with the people that aren't rich and they have these rich friends and then they begin to make these little concessions every day that then ultimately lead to them doing something stupid like Ice Cube. We, we, we really were confused about how someone could get from, excuse me, about how someone could get from fuck the police to let me stand behind a contract that absolutely says and does nothing for my people. And then when the when it gets hot, what we know now is that he actually told the internet, F y'all, y'all since y'all don't want me to help y'all on your own. And then he disappeared into the sunset. So shout out to Ice Cube. We saw you on this episode. We called it right and you proved us right. And I'm so glad that you brought this one up, sis, because this also is a it was an, uh, was a black man accountability episode, and for the uh, for our black male listeners, I think you'll get a good you'll get a good feel of why we as black trans women are frustrated at some of the y'all's antics and how y'all can use y'all white I mean excuse me use y'all privilege as men and patriarchy to just act like you don't see us. And so tune in if you really just want to see us on our, what I would consider one of our best episodes where we were using our minds. Yes, yes, yes. And that's episode yeah. 31. Yes. Yes. And so we progress now to the exciting top two. So I like, you know, because I'm a, um, I'm a down south girl, I love me a pageant. And so in this moment, I imagine the two episodes holding hands and kind of being a little jittery. And the winner of the 2020 <laughs> episode is, or the runner-up is, number two is um, Killing DL Culture. And what I found really exciting about episode number 19, Killing DL Culture, is... I'm sorry, I'm swallowing. I'm having a little Christmas meal with you guys today. Um, is we talked about um, the the, bo- the 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 burgeoning boycott DL movement in Black trans community, and just, we discussed the ways that we can divest from down low culture as a whole. What I what was crazy about this episode is I feel like I have never so we have a I have conversations with my girls all the time. Rihanna, we talk about our life, relationships. I don't really have a lot of boundaries with my sisters regarding that part of my life because I really, really need help. I, I, in my life, some of the best advice that I've ever gotten have been from my sisters. And I think I came into this episode with a very sisterly mentality in really kind of helping people unpack the bullshit. And Brianna, I know, was very, very vulnerable in this episode about what she was going through and, and what we have, we both had experienced in our lives. And I think this episode was very, very, for our male listeners, we was in that ass. And I know for me, my mind in this moment, when I, we were talking about killing DL culture, I was really angry. I know people were being killed. I know that DL culture, even amongst men that say that they like us, the residue was still on the way that they treated us. I know we talked about how 
in our past experiences, we had to change the way we looked at ourselves and how there was a mentality of transphobia inside ourselves that allowed us to kind of live for DL men and we created a space for them. But we, but we also talked about how DL men do have a place in our culture currently, how that is a phenomenon that has existed and will exist in the future. I believe we, we, we mentioned a conversation um, and we mentioned something that Diamond, Diamond Collier, another content creator talked about when she was saying how DL men shouldn't necessarily be vilified per se, and that we should also start treating they as DL. And so we were talking about what that's like and how the, the and, and, and that's a really interesting conversation for our listeners that wanna really understand why you may be dating a trans woman or getting to know a trans woman that's not giving you the energy that you would think she should give you. Maybe it's because she's perceiving that there's not a part of you that she can have access to. So she's treating you just as DL as you're treating her. So killing DL culture was also um, um, unpacking how DL culture has evolved in our culture, how, how it was in the 90s and the early thousands. And then now how today, how it's still people are able to hide behind the internet and even be and pretend to be more out and open than, than they really are in their regular lives. And we were really critiquing a lot of men that take up space and really make it seem like they're concerned about trans women when everything about your behavior, your actions, your mind, your mentality, the way you see the girls is still D fucking L. And we really were talking about how like, because of DL culture, it stifles the growth of a lot of women because a lot of us haven't really had real relationships because the men that have been in our lives wasted our time by making us feel like it was our responsibility to help them through their own mental issues around our transition. And so, and it was a more multiple part episode, but I remember episode 19, Killing Deal, volume one. I remember that to be a doozy, honey. So if you really want to get into the TTT, if you really want to hear me and Aeon really go in if you want to hear the lioness tell her truth and Aeon here tell hers killing deal culture was a great episode sis what were your thoughts uh that's another episode that i'm uh, really happy about and i think it is is relevant it will always be relevant in our community i think it's that that currently is our most listened to episode that's our highest listened to episode and I think when we are talk we're talking about this has been the deadly year, the deadliest recorded year on record for black trans women, how we're being murdered. I think this conversation was so on time on time and it's so appropriate. And what I liked about it is that we were realistic about it. Like we as individuals cannot change systems, but what we can do is control how we uh, participate in the system and we can come up with ways to divest. Right. And to um, live, to curate space around us that is positive, that is transparent. And if people, if men in particular, aren't willing to abide by those rules, then that's somebody that you don't need to be around you. And I think this episode was kind of us putting our foot in the sand or drawing our line in the sand to to let um, the people, especially our male listeners, um, know where we stand and also what we re- what we demand of them and what we require of them. Because it's, it's not enough just to... Um, 
It's not enough just to desire trans women or to think we're sexy or to think you want to, or to think that, um, just to just to show that you're interested in us, it has to be something more than that. Because DL niggas like dealing with the, if you get if you don't have the experience to just keep it sexual and you tr- and you're you're interacting with the DL men with the hopes of turning it into a relationship like that, you're causing yourself mental trauma that you don't need to cause. Exactly. Right, and we we never talk we never talk about the the mental health trauma and the mental health struggles associated with being somebody that is open and that has overcome so much to be this woman. But when it comes to dating and interacting with this these men, you're overwhelmed because these men have no intent to reciprocate that openness and that energy and that trustworthiness back to you. Or, and even, that, or even that commitment to their own wellness. Right. And it can make you go, it, for lack of a better terms, it can make you go crazy. So yes. I, I'm just happy that we were able to be a stake in the, the sand and we could um, realistically talk to our community. Like, these are the things you need to, not only these are the things that you need to look for, but rather than focusing on them, like, how much do you value yourself? how much do you want to be here? How much do you live your life? And what are you what are you going to do to protect your peace? Like, what are your boundaries going to be? And what are going to be your consequences? Excuse me. <clears throat> what are you going to be your consequences for establishing these boundaries? So I'm really proud of that episode. And I hope you guys listen to it. Yes, also for the brothers, we did talk about how the catch 22 of being a man that says he wants to step out in the world and own and be a part of his and, be, and own what he likes but and we also talked about how the world treats you we talked about the intersections of how women can also help perpetuate dl culture by creating by not allowing a safe space for their man to be open about his past we talked about the shaming of dl men so for you brothers out there Know that this episode, I know it's entitled Killing DL Culture, but this isn't killing you. It's actually killing the culture that perpet- that, that doesn't create a safe space for everyone to be free and, and how we all uphold the culture and unpacking that. So it's killing the larger thing. It's not you, the individual. So for my brothers out there, you might really, really enjoy this episode and know that we do look at you with a sympathetic lens. But but sympathetic to a point for me. Sympathetic to a point for both of us. But I do want to say that the episode is not completely one-sided and we were able to sit to see it from both sides. Um, And and, and also see the way in which it's not just the fault of the individual man that there is a larger culture behind it as well that we all participate in. So um, yes, that is episode 19, Killing DL Culture, volume one. Check that out on all social media platforms. So sis, what is your number two? Um, so my number two is number 28. Um, a black Ken doll up in drags. Um, <laughs> I felt like we were really able to have fun and be silly in this episode. So in this episode, we talked about there was a picture circulated around by this person that does doll recreations or he creates dolls and he created the black trans lives matter barbie 
which was very polarizing in our community. So we we decided that we should bring that into the space of the show and really talk about how we felt about the doll. And we did just that. And it was it turned into a kiki session. But I like this episode a lot because we were able to bring our personality, like a, a lighter side of our personalities. But also on the same episode, we talked about our issues with stealthing, uh, which is a form of sexual assault. And we were able to uh, just just bring those real live narratives of how um, as black trans women, we have encountered uh, sexual assault and how it's impacted us now. Um, so we were able to have that conversation and then we talked about at this time, this is when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. So we talked about her. Yeah. And we talked about the Breonna Taylor, the decision of them to um, only charge like one of the off- officers for her murder. And he got like a really like reduced charge. And we, I think we talked about mis- misogynists. Something was happening with Tory Lanez. But overall, this was a key, key episode. <clears throat> this was a really... Um, fun episode and I really feel like the people got to listen to our personality especially when we were talking about this doll and it was very reminiscent of just conversations that we have offline so for that um, this is one of my um, I really like this episode and it is number two and this is episode 28 a black can doll up in drag so for me this particular episode I really, really was really excited about the conversation we had about what it was like to be stealth. Um, I know you were very vulnerable in that conversation. And you, you, I think we were talking about how you were able to have a previous conversation with a piece that has stealthed you previously and how you just had this lack, complete lack of awareness. Right. And I could, re- and I could really relate to that as a, like a trans woman myself. And I know some of our listeners were able to relate to that. And that led to some really interesting conversations with some of the people that I counsel who could who kind of relate to even the guys relating to being that dude and how they look back on how they could be perceived by other people. So I like that part of the conversation. I was really, um, I was really, really touched by our, I think we did a great job of humanizing and really talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the woman, but also I think you did a great job talking about her legacy and really unpacking for our listeners what that would mean and why we were so, everyone was hoping that she could hold out until after the election and what we knew, we know eventually what what happens, but I liked in this episode that we were able to predict accurately that the President Trump will try to push forward a nominee. We talked about Ruth Ruth Bader Ginsburg's legacy and how she, how a lot of her, what her position did to to really protect a lot of rights and civil liberties for Americans. And so that one, that was just really, really powerful. And I just wanted to say, it just was interesting that such a great woman and her legacy was also an episode in which we had to address this bullshit of this black man and how misogynists like Tory Lane use their essentially some of the same things like transphobia to kind of deep to like justify hurting black women. 
to like play into the narrative that she's this bigger, more aggressive. She's, you know, that she's somehow not vulnerable and she, she, she contributed to her being shot and just watching so many black men let us down in community and how that really was just impacting us. And, and I love how all of that was just buttressed right up against the hilarity of this Ken doll that was supposed to represent trans lives that had like- <laughs> Again, lives. another black man letting us down. Another black man letting us down. And it had this laptop with the, and her, her, uh, so the, the, the Barbie doll essentially looked like a Ken doll with just a very, very bad wig and like some, <laughs> some flats and like some, some really high water jeans and like- Okay, a KY jelly bitch. <laughs> a, a gift. My girl, she came with a laptop for her trick, a cell phone. And like an uh, enema bottle, I, 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 some some real deep tranny shade, a, <laughs> a razor set, girl, some a wig, some some ghost bond, bitch. <laughs> girl, she came with like a whole tranny. Just the hilarity of the read of like how even in when people call themselves doing stuff for community how it just ends up being kind of fucked up. So this episode, Yeah, girl, this like, was not informed. It might have been for community, but it was not informed by community. Clearly. And, no, and, and community clearly rejected it. And it was a hilarious just watching the community key about that online. Um, and it was watching, it was interesting watching our straight allies in their effort to get a key out of us to kind of them holding that up like they were so like it was amazing, knowing full well that they were trolling and that we're right. happy with that because the RuPaul doll looked better, bitch. Right. So yeah, just in general, that episode was a good key for like, just so y'all can see how me and Brianna kind of interplay with each other as sisters. This was really like, I like 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 you just said, sis, um, this was how Aeon and I talk on the phone. So yes, that was episode 28. And so, so to round out my list for this evening, my top episode of 2020, we will go to, oh my God, I'm nervous. I don't know. I don't know. It's number two, trans is the default. And, mm -hmm. and even though I acted like just now, this episode was something that was easy, it was hard. As soon as I came up with this, we thought about this, I immediately thought of that episode. And for reasons that are both altruistic and I feel like the conversation was good, but also personally. So I'm gonna start with the personal reason why I like this episode. And it's because this was the episode that I really realized that we had something that had a little oil on it, a little gravy on it. So this was episode number two. So this was very early on. Brianna and I were still forming our dynamic and we were still getting to know one each other as, as just, as just, you know, you know each other as sisters, but just getting to know each other as business women. There was so much undefined at that point. And I think we were both really, really trusting one another. And what I appreciated about this trans as a default conversation is this was the conversation that everyone in my life listened to and realized like, because again, a lot of the work that Brianna and I do it operates on a very high level, which means that we're dealing with individuals that are that are impacting or making decisions, or we're sitting on planning boards and committees that are behind the scenes, or we're advocating, you know, in Brianna's case, in legal in legal matters for folks. But a lot of what we do is very high level. It's not very in the media. 
And I, this was when I realized that the media needed us. This episode really impacted my, everybody from my mom all the way to my, my extended family members. This is the episode that people came to me and said, hey, you and your girlfriend, y'all have something. And so that was the personal reason why I like this episode. But getting into the like meat and potatoes of it, this episode was number two. And it just was was something, it was, I feel like we were, we, we knew that we had something that we were going to do well together, but it was just, we were really flying from the seat of our pants and it just was just organic and it was cool. And I feel like this is when we were really doing the after shows as well. And I remember this after show also being something that really, really went far in community. And a lot of people gave us positive feedback on it. And I do know that this was, this is also one of our top watched online episodes. And so this was really cool. And um, we talked about the, and the importance of a discovering if a trans person has been intentionally, has intentionally done the self work to part as a trans attracted man, excuse me, has intentionally done the self work to partner with a trans woman in a romantic relationship. And that conversation really centered around us as community getting to the place where we no longer look at men that want us with this dirty lens and we cast them aside and we label them chasers simply for choosing to have a preference for us. So in this episode, we unpack the internalized transphobia rooted in systems of oppression passed down to us through generational, through generational oppression and how we have been taught to hate ourselves just as Black women, as Black feminine bodies, and then how that manifests as Black trans women is we often will look at men that want us and say, I don't even think that I'm cool the way I am. I don't even like myself. I don't even like my own body. How dare you want me? So we were talking about how in a relationship dynamic or in, an, in a dating dynamic, particularly in this online world, we needed to stop looking at men that want us as something that is a bad thing. Because ultimately, I think Brianna and I were open in our experiences about how some of the best relationships, some of the best conversations, some of the best friendships that we'd ever had have been with men that were cool with themselves enough to even have trans people as friends, to prefer to date trans women that have been in relationships before, that actually were okay with all parts of a trans woman's body, pre or post that were willing to be free enough not to try to label the bedroom and try to be defining. We were talking about really, really, this episode was where we talked about how the DL phenomenon that we uphold affects the type of men that we allow into our space. And so it gave, it, talk, it really, really helped. We really, really talked about accountability and how you have to be accountable for what you allow in your space, who you allow around you. And that ultimately we decided, Rihanna and I, that we needed to make sure that we selected men where trans women were the default. It was important that we got to that place and our growth, me as a married woman, her now as this woman that is a professional that is entering into an up, a different, that needs to have a different quality of man. We no longer, we realized we wanted to no longer invest time and energy in trying to convince someone to like us in spite of who we are, not because of who we are. And I think this was the conversation where we really set the, the bottom line and the boundary that I think a lot of our sisters should talk about where we look where we talk about trans. We want men, 
that where trans is their default. I want you to prefer me. I want someone to look me in the eyes and say, above all others, I choose you. And that's not something we as trans women are used to or feel comfortable requesting. And some of us, it really affects our identity and we feel away when a man wants us. And I think that Brianna and I were very vulnerable about our pathway to getting to this place and how and we talked about how at different parts of our transition it evolved. But ultimately, what ultimately anyone should want in life is someone that is choosing to be with them because of all of who they are and the toxicness and the, the how it does not serve us as a people to not want people who choose you. And so trans is the default was a powerful conversation. And I think Brianna and I did a wonderful, Aeon and the Lioness did a wonderful job of breaking this down. I mean, because it does take a lot of self-work. And it does require that they do the self-work also to get to the place where they are okay with us and they prepare the table for us. And so there were so many levels to this conversation that were discussed. And that's why this is my 2020 episode of the year, number two, trans women as the default. Thank you. <laughs> what, did you tell, what, what did you think, sis? Um, no, I really enjoyed that episode. When I when I go back and listen to um old episodes that we we've done, that's usually the main one I go back and listen to all of the time. Uh, I, I just think it was a it was a really I think it set the tone for our podcast and why we need a space and why we do what we do. And I just really nobody. Nobody never really talk. We really don't. We only had that type particular conversation like behind closed doors. So it was a very important for us, especially for one of our earlier like foundational episodes, to really have that conversation. It was really important to me at the time because I was still getting over my breakup, and you know now even reflecting and looking back on it. I rushed into my situation not really knowing uh, whether mm -hmm. the person had me as their default or now that I look back, I rushed into a lot of shit with that nigga. Like I just, like I can, I can own that I rushed into a lot of shit. And then when shit got intense and feelings got attached, it got really hard to um, take my feelings out of it. So it was very, cathartic for me to use that episode to work um through some of my uh issues regarding my breakup and just my issue you know as the single person on the podcast to really use that to talk through um a lot of the the pain and the the feelings that I was experiencing but also um using it to set the tone for you know if and when I'm ready to date what what certain things need to look like going uh, for me going forward, and the and for me any if I'm looking for a relationship and that person is looking for a relationship for me, there just has to be some some <clears throat> certain foundational things that are established before we move forward. And you having the uh, you creating space to um, partner and be with a trans woman that is very important to me. And I feel like that should be important to all trans women who are walking with these paths. And really that's a, that's a bare minimum thing for these men to be doing. 
if, if they're coming at you and they're, they're talking relationship and that's what they want, at the bare minimum, they should be creating, they should be creating the palace for you to come in and they should be reassuring you that at least that part of their life and that part of their identity is settled um, to, so you guys can move forward together. But I'm really proud of that episode. I think it's one of our best episodes. I, I feel like as we go on, that will still be one of our uh, best episodes. And I think I'll go back to it just to um, empower myself. And even in my weak moments, just to um, let myself know that, no, this is the standard that I, I need for me. So I'm really, I'm really proud of that episode. I am as well. I am as well. Um, so sis, what is your 2020 Aeon number one choice for 2020 podcast of the year award goes to? Um, my number one will be number 24, um, a wedding fit for a lioness. So in that episode, I basically interview um, Samaya, a.k.a. the Lioness, about her wedding experience. And in that conversation, we also kind of got a glimpse into um, your marriage and the, in the, from the perspective of the unanticipated ways that it affected like your position in community and your your per your personal relationships in community. And just, um, you were really vulnerable. We were supposed to do that episode earlier than what we did, mm -hmm. um, but um, it was, for me, it was really important for us to do this episode because I feel like, especially in our community, um, I feel like some of the women or a lot of the women they have this romanticized idea about um, relationships and marriage and what they think it's going to be and, you know, how it's going to be. But I, I really thought it was important uh, for you to, like, be, to give, like, a real perspective of how it was for you, um, like, getting married and, like, what that meant in regards to, like, what things changed, what things didn't change, and, like, just how did your village as a black trans woman um, come to support you um, in this moment? And just with like, if you had any advice for people, um, like what advice um, could, did you have for them? I really enjoyed the story um, with your father. Um, I also, it was, um, it was, it was interesting to me how, um, even in getting married, how trans women aren't exempt from misogyny from not, and not from your husband, but just like from society. Oh, yeah. So how um, people outside of your marriage perceive you and treat you because you're married to this man and how they can kind of, um, I think in an unintentional way, kind of diminish you. Yes. And, and make you feel that like you don't have any value unless you're connected to him. And I like the the conversation that um, we had around that. But um, I'm I'm just really proud of this episode because I feel like um, 
I feel like a lot of people see you in T air and, you know, people get these ideas about what they think it's like and how it's going to be. But in that episode and in that moment, you were really able to get the real of, and you did, you basically told everything you didn't hold back. And I hope one day we can have a follow up episode where we're just talking about, um, you know, just like, what does it take to be in a long-term like relationship, like not even marriage, but just like a relationship with somebody. Like what, like what does that take in community? So hopefully we can have a follow up to this episode, but um, I just really like that you were able to um, talk about your wedding in a way that was just human and was just, you know, you allowed yourself to feel a lot of different emotions. So what, what are your thoughts about that episode? Oh my goodness. So if you guys, for your listeners at home, um, if you were to see me right now, you would probably see me blushing terribly and you would see my hands over my head. And here's why. This place, you know, my relationship with my husband is something that one, I cherish very much. And it's something that I have, I work very hard to protect from a world that I know wants to make it a thing that they can, they can put their, they can put their hands on and define and explain and codify and organize but i'm glad that um i did this episode and um i'm 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 I'm, i thank you sister for um dubbing it number one for you and for the year i find that very flattering um there is a part of me that 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 is a bit um nervous about you know just in general knowing that my relationship is so cherished for me and that I, i and that um you know, I was very vulnerable in that episode. I feel like I was very authentic about my relationship and its origin story and just talking about like what it was like over the years and what it was like with my family and how initial encounters were like. And I, I, I'm glad that I was able to share that on my platform and control the messaging and how that went out. Um, but at the same time, once it's out, it's out there and that's just such a important moment for my life because my wedding is also my birthday so then there's like it's tied to this deep um feeling and and so then this is just an interesting thing um what i also enjoyed was talking about how it affected my relationships with my chosen family with my community and how even to this day I, in a weird way things are not the same and they have never been the same since i've been married and how you know, in a community and in a world where this isn't something that is common, just even been, even for the fact that I was with my husband for four years before we even got married, it still was something that a lot of girls had not seen. And this is a man that would go to conferences. This is a man that would come to events. And because of that, unfortunately, I feel like it made my image about being the married lady. And I think I was very vulnerable in this episode. And I think hearing it now and thinking about it as we're talking about this is the episode in our top 10 list I really feel like that is still something I deal with to this very day I think that um it feels a bit diminishing as just a woman who has done a lot in community and that then that I feels like she has a lot to offer for that to be the thing that is the most important thing about my story to people um and and I but I also am aware that to whom much is given, much is required. So I don't mind sharing it and I don't mind 
allowing people to peek into this protected bubble that I put around my relationship because I do feel like it does give hope and it can be a guidance for people. But it is very, very, very exposing. And I have to be very sensitive that my partner and my husband is a writer and he is willing to just accept a lot from me, but I don't ever want him to feel like I am oversharing. And so I'm always conscious of that as well when I share the stories. But yeah, overall, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys got to get a glimpse into my relationship. Um, We've been together rocking it for a long time. I think, I hope I was very vulnerable in that episode about the difficulties of family and how all of those things are to be considered. How my girlfriends and my relationships, they were forever changed and people pulled away from me. How in community, a lot of jobs and positions then became close to me because, oh, she got a husband, she don't need a job. How it affected me in law school and how I was, how I was perceived as a 1L getting married and how my, some of my professors took that experience and felt like that means I wasn't serious. So, you know, it was just intense. And um, there were a lot of people not rooting for my marriage. And there were a lot of people that were disappointed by it. And so it is bittersweet when I talk about my marriage. But like Brianna said, the one crowning moment was that was the first time my daddy had ever told me I was beautiful. And he doesn't say it very often. I can't, you know, very, very <laughs> I don't think he'll ever get to saying it every day, girl. But when he does, I cherish it. And that was the first time where he showed up for me and I didn't expect him to ever show up to my wedding day. And so for you ladies out there who are having a difficult relationship with family, particularly with your fathers who can sometimes be very patriarchal, controlling and crazy, or maybe not even in your life, you know, as long as you live and as long as he's alive, there's a chance that things could be better. There's a chance that there could be a relationship. I am telling you that I am not no fairy tale that my life and my journey in this episode, you will see there is a path. There is a journey that we all go through. And one thing my sister Brianna said, or Aeon said on her um, Facebook today or yesterday was, you know, you look at someone's life right now and you see them winning and you, but what you don't see is the journey and all the things they had to go through behind. And I think that was a very important thing that you put up sis, because According, it, it, when people talk about my wedding, I want them to see me as a woman, a fully completed woman who had to do the work to get to the place where she could she could be see she could sustain a relationship. And then while in relationship, I continue to do the work and evolve, fall on my face, make mistakes with my husband. We evolve and grow to be the woman that I am today. So I hope that when you listen to this episode, that you that you hear the sweetness and the joy. But I want you to also see that there is no, life ain't no crystal staircase and that, you know, everything, even including my, my, my marriage journey had, had its flaws and its thorns. And that's just a part of being black trans or just being a woman in the world. We all have our issues. So don't canonize me no wonderfully, you know, anointed special person that had something you can't dream of. Yes. I had a wedding in Hawaii. Yes, I had a grand reception that was a fairy tale, but there was a lot behind the scenes. This episode, episode number 24, A Wedding Fit for a Lioness, Aeon's number one 2020 pick. Honey, I go into the tea, so y'all tune in. Sis, I think we did a whole a whole thing. Did you enjoy this experience? Um, Yeah, it was nice um, walking down memory lane and... um. Hopefully this will inspire if this is your first time, this is your first episode that you're listening to, 
um, this will inspire you to go back through our catalog and listen and make sure that you are um, commenting, reviewing, writing us emails about your episodes and your perspectives. You can send those to box number 512 at gmail.com. The email address is listed in the show notes for the show. Um, DM us, comment on the post. Um, I do need to make an announcement. We are going on a, a little Christmas hiatus and we will return with a brand spanking new episode on January the 8th. So um, we haven't forgotten about you guys, but we have to take a break. We have to take some time for us to regroup and enjoy our families and decompress from work and um, just a li- we ain't taking a month off, but um, we're taking like a week and a half off. But we will have a brand spanking new episode, uh, January the eighth. And if you're really one of our fans and supporters, if you uh, donate to our Patreon page, you will be able to see and hear the episode before a day before it premieres on Friday. And our goal is to help continue that as often as we can. Now, Brianna and I do live very busy lives, but our Patreon is going to have exclusive content just for our patrons, for them to be able to view behind the scenes what happens in the podcast. You're going to catch the bloopers. You might catch um, special episodes and conversations or extended cuts that didn't, uh, extended cuts of interviews that we have next season that you may not get all of it, but we'll have the full interview available on our Patreon. We are planning to expand that platform greatly. It will be to your advantage if you would like to stay a part of the conversation of Box Number 512 podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. If you are a real fan, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty in the city, baby, you need to follow our Patreon because it's going to be some tea, honey. And that's where we'll be having the additional conversation like grown black trans woman talk after dark. That's where we'll have some of our after show exclusive content. So definitely, definitely tune into the Patreon if you want the full box number 512 podcast experience. Sis, really fast before we end and say and and then happy holidays for these girls. Is there anything you would want to wish them? Is there anything you would want to wish for them? What gift or, or golden nugget would you like to give our listeners on this beautiful, beautiful, blessed occasion? Um, I would just like to give them that you are loved and that you are here for a purpose and that we are happy that you're still here, that you still um, are choosing to exist. And um, even though the holidays can be a, a, a horrible time and very triggering time, that it's okay to feel that way and um, you will be able to pull through, you will be able to um, get through it. And I really challenge you to um, connect um, with the people that care about you and the people that love you. Cause the way, so, sometimes the way that like depression and stuff works is it, it tricks you into thinking that you're alone. It tricks you into thinking that nobody else is going through or feeling what you're feeling. And when that happens, that's just the illness um, doing what it's supposed to do and working. But um, we gotta remember, we have to remember those people that are in our corner. Um, we have to remember those people that are around us that um, have the best intentions for us and want the best for us. So I challenge you all to 
connect to somebody, shoot a text to somebody, call somebody, just so that even if we're physically alone, that we're still um, in connection with people. Um, and I hope that everybody has a wonderful, prosperous holiday season. I hope you have a happy new year. And I hope in 2021, you are closer to your dreams. You're closer to accomplishing your goals because we have a lot of work to do in 2021. And I am happy um, to all of our listeners that have ever um, listened to the podcast while you were cleaning up on the weekend or you're driving to work or you on a road trip, um, to anybody that's ever um, liked our podcast, shared our podcast, told their friends and family about our podcast. Um, you guys really mean a lot to me. Um, and thank you for um, thank you for showing so much um, support to our platform week after week. And that's all I got to say, girl. Yes, 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 yes. And so the lioness would like to give the listeners for Christmas the gift of gratitude. Hold on. Gratitude. <laughs> Gratitude is something that I think in 2020, um, we all have. We all have a reason to be grateful. Um, in this year, um, a lot of us have had to go through extreme transitions. Uncertainty about the economy, uncertainty about our very political futures, uncertainty about our very lives and the lives of our loved ones, uncertainty about a pandemic that has been raging our country, uncertainty about even the transition into 2020 and what it will mean for us. I know that we're uncertain about so many things right now, but the gift that I would like to give to my listeners is gratitude because we all know it could be so much worse. There are people right now that we all know that are, and a lot of us are grieving loss. I know I personally have lost beloved family members this year, people who were guardians and gifts to the world that can never come back. And um, in a climate where the world is 3,000 people a day are being killed and the world is so full of grief, I just want us all to remember to be grateful for the sun, to be grateful for the light, to be grateful for the breath in our bodies, to be grateful for the gift of having people that are around us, to be grateful for our job, to be grateful for our healthcare workers, to be grateful for our frontline workers that are people are at the stores that are bagging our groceries, to be grateful for our, the ability to get home safely in vehicles, to be just the ability to navigate because what we know and what this year has shown us is that all of all of the plans that we think that we're going to happen, that we can control, that we're going to force to happen, excuse me, all of those things are without our control because there are some things that are just above us. And whatever your belief system is on this day, I want to give you the gift of gratitude that the universe has allowed us all to see this day and to experience one another. And I want to say that I am grateful for each and every one of you. This process, this sharing, this experience, this collaboration with my wonderful goddess sister Aeon has been one of the best things that I've ever done in my life. And I am grateful to each and every one of you and to my sister for allowing me to be able to have a safe space to be myself, for me to feel affirmed by having people 
acknowledge my gift and anointing and to really celebrate it, to have a sister that could stand next to me and that truly, truly, truly appreciates and values what I have to say and that we can still be sisters and deepen and grow. So I would like to just take all of the gratitude I have for my wonderful family, for my husband, for my animals, for my babies, my fur babies, for everyone that just has poured into me, my extended relationships, my connections. I have so much to be grateful for in midst of losing people, in the midst of being worried every day about my parents and their health, in the midst of being worried about all of these other things. I think this was the best and the worst of times. And I would like to just pass on that we should all look to try to see that the glass is half full because it is not just half empty because there is light at the end of the tunnel. I know that a lot of us are in stuck situations and we've lost people and we're facing things that we don't feel like we can control. But what we can control is our as the way we look at things. And if you act on it and you work on it, you can pull yourself out of depression. And one thing that we've, we've even talked about on this podcast is that 2020 is a year that has exposed a lot of mental health issues amongst people. And a lot of us right now are wondering if we have a place in this world. We're wondering if we're valuable. We're wondering if we're worthy or if we're enough. And some of us may have suicidal ideations. And what we want, I want to do at this time is to encourage you to seek help to encourage you to take advantage of, of the, the, the resources that are out there for suicide prevention. But most importantly, just know that if you could just be grateful just for the air in your body right now and just hope that tomorrow is going to be there and knowing that here at Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk, our goal is to always speak light and love into you. And we just want you to know that we're grateful for you as well. And that tomorrow is a better day and you are valuable. And we hope that the people under us, the sound of our voices are able to really receive that love. So I want you to, the lioness particularly, and I know um, Aeon, Brianna as well, we want you to be grateful for life and we want you to know we're grateful for you. What a year, what a year, what a year. So to round out this episode, I would of course like to do my compulsory. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms at box number 512 podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Go to our Facebook page as well and engage in the conversation. As we embark on this new season, know that there will be new content and new and exciting things beyond our Patreon as well. So stay tuned and pardon our progress as we grow and expand. We thank you for a wonderful year and we look forward to many years to come. This has been a wonderful year and this is the top 10 last uh, top 10 episode or rather our top five, our fab five of 2020. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you. And this has been um, another episode of box number 512 podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. And I am one of your illustrious co-hosts, the Lioness. And I'm Aeon. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Don't forget to go to our anchor page to become a monthly sponsor. And also feel free to like, follow, and subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms. And also, please don't forget to rate and review our podcast, Every Comment Matters. And lastly, please, please, please 
follow and tune in for our live interactive Facebook show every Friday on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, I'm the Lioness. And I'm Aeon. Bye.